Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Everybody's doing well, I hope. Good, good, good. I'm glad to be here on Sunday morning. Find your place in uh, Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> We're going to read uh, verses 28 to 30 in Matthew chapter 11 once we get there. Let's open up in prayer and we'll, uh, we'll get started and started. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and your anointing this morning. That we know he's present because your word says that where two or more are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of us, Father. So we welcome you here this morning and we open our hearts and ears to receive from you and hear what you would have to say to us um, so that we can become better servants, better tools, better better uses to the kingdom of God. That is our desire, Father. So we open ourselves to your anointing this morning and will listen to the word of God, that it will become the light to our path that it's meant to be, Father. And we thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's only a light if you let it be a light. If you treat it like a book, it's going to be a book. Because uh, lots of people treat the word of God that way. They just read it like it's a history book, like this stuff happened and that's, that's all. Or a fairy tale that, oh, Jesus walked on the water, but he didn't really walk on the water. There's a lot, oh, that's all just allegory. Well, it doesn't, no, it's not, you know, it's not. That's metaphor. No, it's not. Jesus actually did the things the Word of God said Jesus did. Because he wasn't just, he wasn't, he was God made flesh. He was our Savior. He came down and lived as our example. Glory to God. And we've got to take the Word seriously if we are going to use it as it's meant to be, which is the lamp for our life. It's supposed to be our guiding star. It's supposed to be what we're using to determine how to live life in not only how, but then the measuring stick by which we figure out if we're doing it right. Um, Because it's one thing to have the theory, and it's another thing to be operating correctly, to actually put into practice what the Word of God says, and then then use it as a measuring stick and say, "Am am I achieving what the Word of God says I should be achieving by doing what it says? Because you should be, if, you're, if you think you're doing what the Word of God is telling you to do and what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, you should be experiencing what the Word of God says you should be experiencing. I'm not going too fast for anybody, right? That sh- this should be the way that it goes. So if there's a disconnect somewhere, if you think you're doing what the Word of God says you should be, but you're not experiencing what the Word of God says you should be, there's a disconnect there. And it's our responsibility to figure out where it is. Where is the disconnect? What's going on? that I'm not getting what the Word of God says I should have. And I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek. It's always something to do with me. <laughs> God is not the one who failed. He's not the shortcoming in the, in the equation. It's never Him. It's, all, it's always us. But it's important to be able to look and examine that and figure out, because you're the only one that can fix it. God, God can... God can help you. The Holy Spirit will point out to you. If you go to him and ask, he'll show you, hey, this, this. He'll put his hand right on it and say, this is the problem right here. Because I know a lot of us think we're fast and we're smart and we got it all together. But oftentimes we are the worst person to look at ourselves. Because a lot of people have a real hard time being honest with themselves. Because they don't, I mean, I get get it, guys. I've been around, I mean, not, not a long time, but enough time that nobody likes taking responsibility for failings. Nobody likes putting their hand up and going, it was me. And nobody, nobody likes that experience. 
<clears throat> but doing that is the only way we can move forward, is the only way that things can improve is by taking responsibility for it. I've tried to tell my kids all the time that, hey, you've got to take responsibility for things because that's the only way it'll get better. That's the only way things will improve because if we constantly blame other things, we don't have any power to change anything. If it's that person's fault, that person has to fix it. Well, it's not ever that person's fault. It's always my fault. I've, I've got to, and, you know, people say, well, there's, I've had trauma. No doubt. We've all, had, we've all had stuff hit the fan. I mean, it happens. But at the end of the day, I have control on how I respond to that situation, which is huge. That's huge. If you keep it together and move forward based on how the Word of God says you can move forward is a whole different discussion than if you fall down on the floor and cry about it for a month. It's, it's a completely different thing. And I'm using hyperbole, but people do that kind of thing. They, they grab onto it and they use it as like an excuse. Like this thing happened to me and for the next three years, I'm going to reference this thing for everything that goes bad. Well, that's your choice. That's your choice. It doesn't have to be that way. You could go, well, that thing did happen to me and it was not fun. It was not good, which we can all admit stuff like that happens. But then you can move on and say, well, I'm, but I'm not going to let that thing hold me back because that's my choice. My choice is whether or not that thing that happened is going to continue to have an effect on me. I let that happen. It doesn't have control over me. The statement, you made me angry, is not an accurate statement. I chose to get angry. I chose to let that thing continue to have a hold on me long after it happened. I didn't say it was going to be easy to fix that, but it is our choice, and we have to face that kind of thing if we're going to move forward. It's my choice to sit there and wallow in it like a pig in, in mud. I mean, that's, it's my choice. It's nobody else's fault. And that's not really what I'm teaching about this morning. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, but, you know. So I've, when I've been up here, I've been talking about acknowledging God quite a bit, and, and, and that is a very important subject. And I kind of want to look at it a, from a different angle this morning, from a different side of the mountain, so to speak. Um, when we go to God and acknowledge Him in something, if we go to Him and say, God, this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing, this is what I think you've told me to do, and you go to Him and converse with Him about what's supposed to be happening. By, by implication, we are then excluding things that should not be happening, right? When you go to God and you say, what is the answer for this situation? And he gives it to you. Then all the other answers are then excluded, right? If he tells you you're supposed to be doing such th this thing, then all of those other things are then excluded. You get that? Because a lot of people don't get that. <laughs> a lot of people think, well, I can do this and that. No, no, that's not what God asked you to do. That's not what God told you to do. But Jesus discusses this both directly and indirectly a number of ways in the Word of God, and we're going to look at that this morning. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, and I'm using the New King James, if anybody cared to know. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, 
All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The New American Standard says, Come unto me those who are weary and loaded down, and I will give you rest. Well, the question becomes, what are we loaded down by? What have we been loaded down by? If, if we're weary and loaded down, like Jesus says, and he says, come to me and find rest, what is it that got us to that place in the, to begin with? Because it wasn't God, obviously. He says his, his yoke is easy. That word easy is translated good. His yoke is good, and his burden is light. Which means you didn't get that heavy laden from him. You didn't get, because the, I mean, we all, when you hear that, <clears throat> when you hear that phrase, weary and loaded down, we all get an image. There's all, all of us have an image. You've seen people that are weary and laden down. Maybe you've been that person who was weary and laden down. You know what that looks like. Well, they didn't get there having fun. Right? It's, we all know how those people got there by living a hard life, by by doing lots and lots of things altogether, doing them the wrong way in some cases. There's a whole bunch of different ways you can get there, but we know the end result. But Jesus tells him, we are to come to him so that he can give us rest. They're loaded down by unnecessary things, which goes back to the acknowledging. Why am I, why am I loaded down with unnecessary things? He says, come to me and find rest. Well, why have I not been in rest the entire time? Is the question for believers. Because obviously when you get saved and you're, you're a new believer, you're going to be in that position of being loaded down and weary because you've been living the wrong way your whole life. <clears throat> but as believers, we should be walking our way out of that because we should now be adjusting the way that we live to how God wants us to live now in the kingdom, which is constantly coming to him and checking in with him and saying, okay, what do I do now? Because not, he's not only going to tell you what you need to be doing as, as far as what you need to be accomplishing it, he's going to tell you how that you need to be doing that thing. Because a lot of the times we weigh ourselves down by doing things the wrong way. Namely, we try to do them in the arm of our own flesh and the strength of our own body. And we all know that's a very limited thing. But when we, when we try to go after something and we say, well, I've, I've, I've got to get this done, what do we do? We put more and more and more pressure on what? On our body, on our flesh. I've got to handle this. I've got to do this thing. Well, what is that? That's you. You're doing it. And the only result that's going to happen there is you're going to be tired. You're going to be weary. And oftentimes you're going to be laid down. Because not only are you going to be working yourself hard, you're going to be stressed out about it too because you're going to be thinking about it all the time going, this is not working. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how I'm going to handle the next thing around the bed. Anybody been there? I've been there. I've been there. Well, what's the answer? The answer is to go to Jesus. The answer is to go to Jesus because not only is he going to give you rest, he says, come and learn from me. Learn from me what? How to do this the right way. Learn from me how to do, learn from me how you should be doing what you're doing. Because it's not just the what, it's the how, too. The how is important. 
Otherwise, he'd just, he'd just give us the whole plan. We'd go to him and say, God, what do I do? And he'd go, here's the entire roadmap. And then he'd say, good luck. No, because he has an interest in how it gets done. Not just what. And the how is extremely important. Because it involves not only you, but other people as well. Because he's... he's <clears throat> there's a new, uh, a new concept that's come up that I'm that I'm not a fan of, but it makes me laugh every time I see because you see it everywhere. And it's called main character syndrome. And it's, it's a thing that's, it's, it's always been around, but now people have just given it a funny name. And it's people who are obsessed with themselves. They're the main character. They're the only one that matters. What they're doing is the only thing that matters. They've got plot armor, which means they're invincible. They, they can't, nothing bad can happen to them. They're the main character. And it's, it's, when you think of it like that, it's just highly amusing when you look around because a lot of people have main character syndrome. Um, <laughs> but when you work like that, things are not going to go well because you are not the only one. I am not the only person that God's working with. God is weaving together billions of people at the same time trying to set up meetings, trying to set up opportune times, trying to set up all these things and weave everything together to work out his plan. That's what he's working with. But all, all we sometimes get hung up on is me. Me. It's all about me. I'm the main character. Well, no, you're one character in a very large story. So he's trying to get us to do things the way he wants them to be done because he's trying to weave a very intricate plan so that all along the way things are getting done. There is no such thing as coincidence. Oh man, I was in the right place at the right time. No, by, by happenstance you just stumbled into the plan that God laid out. A lot of times people who say that, that's what happened because they don't understand that they stumbled into grace for a few minutes and happened to walk right in where they were supposed to be. But what God wants is us to be doing that all the time. He wants us to be constantly in the right place at the right time. Because that's his plan, is for those things to happen. So that what he wants done can be accomplished. And that can only be done by those that are constantly checking in with him, both what to do and how to do the things that he's laid out and that includes not weighing themselves down with unnecessary things. Because anybody that's weary and heavy laden is not going to be the most effective person they can be. You can look back at the times of your own life where you've been in that position and you realize you're not operating at 100% when you're weary and heavy laden. You want to lay down all the time. That's just what you, every, every spare moment you're like, I'm going to lay down and take a breather. Why? Because you're weary and heavy laden. That's what's on your mind. Your mind is like, okay, time to shut off because good Lord, we're just on 150% all the time. That's not the way God designed us to be. It's not the way he designed us to be. It's just not. Go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. From the very beginning, God always intended for us to have constant communication with him. That's why he came down in the cool of the day and walked with man and woman from the very beginning so that he could have conversations with them on the regular so that they could continue to say, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened, and they could have a conversation about it. 
And he could discuss with them how things are supposed to go. But so many people have stopped that relationship. And it's their choice. God is ready, willing, and able to continue that kind of relationship that he had from the very beginning. He wants that. Because you are only 100% effective for him as a child of God and, and a servant of the kingdom when you live like that. And your relationship with him is a million times better. I mean, we can see that even from the physical side of things. When you have a relationship with someone and you communicate with them constantly, things go a lot smoother. Rather than not ever talking to each other, every once in a while, ships passing in the night, and then when you finally come back together, it's like a thunderclap. Why? Because you've ne you haven't been communicating. You haven't been interweaving with each other and being part of each other. That hasn't happened. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That's what it was always designed to be, is that we constantly cast our cares on him. Not because we don't have things to care about, but because we're not designed to carry that load. We never were. We were designed to be in communication with him all the time, and he could give us answers for those things. Because you notice... The cares only come when what? I don't have answers. Cares are only cares when you don't have answers because if you have the answer, it's not a care anymore. Yeah. You've got the answer. That's but it becomes a care, a worry, and some, some, some translations say cast your anxieties. It only becomes an anxiety when you don't have the answer. When you don't know where the money's coming from, when you don't know how to fix that relationship, when you don't know how, what you're going to do at work, you don't know these things, they become anxieties. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to take those things, not brush them under the rug, and oh, I'm just going to ignore that. That's not going to work out very well. Tried that. Been there, done that. We're supposed to cast them on him, and when it says cast them on him, it means stop worrying about it, but bring it to him. And go to him for the answer to that problem. Say, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you, and you need to give me the answer, because I don't have the answer. And not only do I not have the answer, the one thing we have to get through our lightning fast minds is, I'm not going to come up with the answer. That's what a lot of people don't get. Because the only answer I can come up with is the, only what I can do. Because that's, that's the only frame of reference I have to operate from. Because I'm just looking at the problem from how am I going to fix this? Well, oftentimes you can't. Especially when it involves other people. And a lot of times those are the biggest weights. Those are the biggest weights. Because we're worried about someone. We're concerned about our family. We're concerned about our loved ones, our spouse, our kids, whatever. We have zero control over that after a certain point. Unless they're under your roof as a child, it's out of your control. And to continue to choose to carry that, and again, speaking from experience, 
choosing to carry that is exactly that. It's my choice. And I am the one taking that burden. Nobody laid it on me. I took it by choice. And is it fun to cast cares on God? Sometimes no, because your flesh is like, but I want that. I want that. You ever known somebody that they just love to worry? They love it so much that they choose to worry about things that have absolutely nothing to do with them. It's like they learn something about you and they're like, why aren't you worried about this? I'm going to worry about this for you. Well, no, please don't. Please don't. I don't need any help. I've known people like that. Bless her heart. First thing, she'd, she'd start talking to somebody. Oh, you sound sick. Why would you be worried if I'm not feeling well? Just, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Just let it go. <clears throat> but those are the, those, what are they doing? They're taking those things and they're putting them. Grabbing and taking, taking burdens. It's a, it's a habit that a lot of, that we develop. We just develop it as a skill when we're unsaved. Why? Because that's what the world teaches. You've got to be worried about your credit score. You've got to be worried about retirement. You've got to be worried about your life goals. You've got to be worried about your job. You've got to be worried about all these things. So worry, 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 worry. Why? Is the believer's answer is, why would I do that? Why? Exactly. They don't have an answer is the reason why they worry so much. But God tells us to take those and cast them on him. And then we're supposed to go to him and learn from him so that we can find rest and take his yoke, which is easy and good and light. That's what we're supposed to do. But again, it's our choice. We can only unburden ourselves when we allow him to show us what is needed and what isn't. That's how we have to take those burdens off, is going to him and saying, God, I'm, I'm going through this thing and this thing and this thing, and I need you to show me what it is I'm supposed to do. How am I supposed to handle this situation? And once we do that, we go to him and begin talking to him. Don't you know that he will show you? It is in his interest for you to be light and agile. Because then when he moves, you can move. People who, you ever notice pack animals that are really laden down? They're not moving real fast. You ever seen like old shows where the horse has got all these big old honking bags on it? And they got the yoke where they're pulling the carriage? They're not moving real fast. Something happens, they got to unhook the horses. You ever see movies like that? Where the horses are flipping out, but they're stuck to the wagon. Why? Because they're heavy laden. Somebody's got to let them loose before something bad happens to them. Well, we don't want that to be us. When God asks us to move and say, hey, you need to flex over to this position quickly. We need to be able to do that. But what does your mind say? But God, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about, what is that? Burdens. Burdens that I've chosen to take on to myself. You ever been there? Where God asks you to do something and the first thought that pops in your head is, but what about, what about this thing over here? God didn't ask you about that thing over there. And maybe he never even told you to be involved with that thing over there. That's why he's not concerned with it when he tells you to move. Because he's looking at you going, 
Why are you worried about that? That has nothing to do with you. But a lot of believers find themselves in that position because they've chosen. Well, this is important, and I think I need to be involved. Really? You do? Okay. Okay. God's not... You know by now, hopefully, that God's not going to stick up his hand and go, No, stop. He's not going to physically stop you from doing things. He's not going to. He's going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. He's going to advise you (laughs) not to do certain things, and sometimes quite heavily, but at the end of the day, he's not going to stop you. We see that even back into the Old Testament. He warned Israel, you know. They said, we want a king, and he said, no, you don't want a king. In fact, he he said no so strongly. He said, all of these bad things are going to happen to you if you go down that path. But what did he not say? You can't do it. No, he didn't say that. Because they kept coming back to him and said, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And finally he said, fine, fine. Have a king. How'd that go for him? Not real good. You read, you read through the Old Testament, didn't go real well for them once they did that. They had nothing but trouble from their kings. Even the good ones, still trouble. Still trouble. Even David was a problem. I mean, he was, he was you, know the, you, know the, <laughs> you know the phrase, the, the, what is that phrase? The lesser of two evils? That's what it is. It was never good. It was just not quite as bad, which is never where you want to be. You don't want to be in a position where you go, well, this isn't, isn't as bad as it used to be. Well, wh- why? Why do, why? why do we have that conversation? It's not as bad as it used to be. Well, it means it's still bad. We need to get out of there, over to where it's good. Ah. We're something, aren't we? We are something. Mm-hmm. I mean, God really has to love us to put up with us sometimes, man. It's, I look at us, and I, I, I think like he did back with Moses. He's like, just wipe us out and start over, God, because we're a mess. We're just a mess. We're a mess. <clears throat> but the burdens, the burdens are all the things that we take on to ourselves And all the things we choose to do that we weren't instructed to do, that we weren't told to do. Those are the things we start to saddle ourselves with that end up creating more problems. That's all that they are. The things that we choose, that we reach out and grab that God hasn't told us to do, they're of no profit. That's what we have to begin to understand. Because... They're, because a lot of we as believers, and I've been over this before, we get involved with good things. Oh, it's a good thing. And that's fine. Good things are good. But we as believers need to realize that I have limited resources. All of them are limited. So when I get involved in something, I by necessity cannot be necessarily involved with something else. Because I don't have enough resources. So it's important to go to God and say, God, am I supposed to be involved with this thing, whether it's good or not? Not because it's, you know, not because it's a, it's not a bad thing. So it's, sometimes they're not bad, but we, they're not what I'm supposed to be doing. 
Because again, we go back to that roadmap. It's not about me. Because why do, why do I choose to do good works? It's something on the inside of me. I can't determine what that is for everybody. Sometimes people really are just that altruistic where they just want to help. And that's a good thing. But I've known people that wanted to help and wanted to help themselves into poverty, into being, having nothing. Because they, all they wanted to do was help, 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 help. And that's not a bad thing, but at the same time, you are expending yourself. And if the one thing I can tell you with surety is if you are burnt out, you are not being obedient. Plain and simple. If you are burnt out, you are being disobedient. Because God does not burn his people out. He does not do it. He does not do it. Because burnout leads to sorrow, leads to pain, leads to bad things. And what do we know about God? God is good. God does not do that to his people. He is not a hard taskmaster. And the only time you get burnt out is when you are under a hard taskmaster. That's, if you want to take something away from this morning, that's what you need to take away from. If you are in sorrow and despair and you are on the verge of being burnt out, you need to take a breather and examine what is going on. Because you have found yourself into situations where God is not. Because he would not direct you into burning yourself out. He would not. So the, the answer is, I have chosen to take upon myself things where he is not. And I need to find those things and I need to get rid of those things. Not because they're necessarily bad, sinful, but because I am not supposed to be involved with them. And he has places and things for me to do that I must get done. And those things are preventing me from doing that efficiently, from doing that like I'm supposed to be doing it. You've been, I've been in positions where you are tired, worn out, and beat down. And when you try to do other things in that, you do them poorly, to put it mildly. You don't do them as good as you can. Why? Because you aren't as good as you can be. You are operating at less than 100% when you are beat down and you are full of sorrow and full of pain and tired and all of that. You cannot be operating at 100%. And God needs you operating at 100%. That's why he's given us all the promises in the word of God. It's not so that we can live a lavish life and stick our pinky out when we're drinking our tea in the morning. That's not why God gives us the promises he gives us the promises so that we can be a lean, mean, fighting machine. That we can go out and do what he needs us to do at peak efficiency. That's why we have the promises. We have the promises of health so that we can be healthy to do the things that he wants us to do. Not so that we can watch Seinfeld through for the 10th time. That's not why we're supposed to be healthy. We're supposed to be healthy so that our health is not a barrier to us doing what God needs us to do. And it's time for us to change our perspective. We are not to be healthy for health's sake. We are to be healthy to do the work of the kingdom of God. I am to prosper not so I can live in a nice house and drive a nice car. I am to prosper so that I can prosper the kingdom. So that I can push the kingdom forward with every resource that I have. That's why we prosper. That's the whole point. God's not interested in... because. Main character syndrome. 
People get hung up on the promises of God because they're like, well, I want to be rich. I want to be healthy. Yeah, but why? Because I want to have nice things. Main character syndrome. It's not about you. God's not opposed to you having nice things, but it's not about you having nice things. That's not what it's about. So when we turn our focus on that, what do we start to do? Well, I've got to have nice things. Well, what is that? Burden. Because what happens if you don't have nice things? What happens if you've got to drive that old beater for a year? What happens? I've told people before, I don't mind driving beaters. I'll, I'll drive a car that is falling around apart around me if it will get me from point A to point B. Now, the moment God tells me, hey, you need to start transporting people and be visible before people with that thing, that changes things because God needs to be shown up. God don't, God don't drive heaps. God ain't trashy. He don't live in a trailer park. And I'm not, I'm not putting down anybody that lives there. I'm just saying, when it comes to showing God's things, his things are nice. He's got the best of the best. We should be always looking to go there, but that's not the goal. The goal is not to get there. The goal is to what? Continue to be obedient. Continue to be obedient. That's the only goal. And we're going to get there. Actually, we better get there quick because I'm running out of time. (laughs) Go to Matthew 6.33. We'll jump there and then we'll jump back around if we need to. But that's the goal. The goal is the obedience. The goal is the doing what God told us to do. That is the goal. And by necessity, we then need to know exactly what it is we're supposed to be doing and what we're not supposed to be doing so that we're not, we're not loading ourselves down with things we don't need. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now go back to verse 33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Well, what is his righteousness? His rightness and his right way of doing things. Well, what does that sound like? Acknowledging, going to him. What do I do and how do I do it, God? What do I do and how do I do it? That's what we seek first. We seek first that and then what? All these things. And we don't, for time's sake, we don't really, we can't really go back up. But if you go back up to the beginning of this, this area, he begins by talking about, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and, and, and all these things that the Gentiles seek after, which is the, a picture of the world. Don't worry about all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of them will be added to you. What does that mean? While you're busy about God's business, he's going to be bringing things along behind you and adding them to you. But what doesn't happen, what can't happen is we get involved with those things. Too many times, that's what happens to believers is they start getting, God starts adding things to them because they're being obedient and doing what he's asked them to do. And they need these resources to continue to be obedient and continue to do what he's told them to do. But then they get hung up on it. Then it, then it, then it, a very minute switch from following God to, I need to maintain. No, no. I've got to keep all these things. No, that's not what God, 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 you're not bringing all your stuff with you to heaven. 
You can't, you can't bring your Mercedes G-Class with you to heaven and go, God, look, I'm driving a Mercedes G-Class. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. You can't bring your retirement fund to heaven. You can't bring your investments to heaven. You can't bring the $50 you saved on groceries by pinching pennies to heaven either. That's the other side of that discussion. Well, God, I, I know you told me to do this, but I can save $300 over here. Did God tell you to save $300? No. Then what are you doing trying to save $300? I'm being a good steward. No, you're being cheap. You're being cheap. And stop it. God is not cheap. God doesn't care about money. God wants what he wants done, done. He doesn't care about the cost. You will never, ever go to God and say, God, I know you told me to do this, but it costs $50,000. He's not going to go, oh, well, jeez, if it costs that much, forget about it. It's not going to happen. It never will happen. He's going to look at you and his eyebrows are going to go up and he's going to go, and? Money, it doesn't matter to him. Money is just a tool to him. It's not going with you to heaven. You don't get to bring your ledger of God, I, I saved the kingdom $5,000. He doesn't care. He's going to ask you, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you? Because one person getting affected by something being done is worth all the money in the world. Because the, there is no equivalent value. Well, how much is the worth of one human soul? There is no equivalence. There isn't. Because money has no worth once you leave this earth. But that soul is immortal and invaluable for eternity. There's no, you can't even, there's no way to balance that equation. <clears throat> so if we go to God and we go, but God, the thing you asked me to do is X, Y, and Z dollars. He's going to go, do it. Do it. Which then begs the question, why are we getting hung up on the money? Front row, that's why he's sitting over here. We get hung up on the money because I'm looking to me. The only reason I get, get hung up on money is because I think, I've got to come up with that. Really? Burden? Who said you had to come up with it? God never told you you had to come up with the money. Nowhere in that word of God says, and you better, you better put your gloves on, boy, because you're in for it. It says, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live by faith, which means we're going to him and saying, okay, God, you told me to do this thing. I'm moving. And what am I concerned with? I'm concerned with his kingdom and his right way of doing things. And what? It'll be added. He's going to bring it. I, what, am, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't do anything. You will quickly be outpaced. When you work with God, your flesh will quickly be outpaced on what it can contribute. It is basically just a flesh suit to carry your spirit around at some point. And it will get there very fast if you're working with God. First couple of steps, you might be able to go, well, I can, I can put in some sweat and make this happen. There won't be too many steps before you're going to get into, there is no way that my flesh can even come close 
to doing what needs to be done in this situation. And that's the way God wants it. That's the way God wants it. Because your flesh isn't supposed to be involved other than to carry your spirit around. <laughs> that's the only involvement your flesh has. It's the flesh suit. That's all it is. It's the conveyance. It's your flesh car while you're here. That's all. Just like your car is not all that important in the, in the scope of things because you can go out and get a new one, your body is not all that important when it comes to accomplishing what God has for you to accomplish other than that it needs to be in the condition that it can do it. Just like your car needs to be in good enough condition to carry you around, your flesh suit needs to be the same. It needs to be in good enough condition so that you can do what God needs you to do. That's all. That's all. That's why Paul said that. He, he said what exercises of, he didn't say of no good, of no use, he said of little use compared to what? Compared to the other side of the equation. Why? Because all your body needs to do is be effective enough to do the work of God, to carry your spirit around to do what God wants you to do. Can't be falling asleep when you're supposed to be doing things for God. You can't be all worn out. You got to keep it strong enough and well enough to do what God needs to do. Other than that, what is it? Burden. You don't need to spend 10 hours a day at the gym. You don't need to flex at the mirror in the morning and go, oh yeah, yeah, that's it right there. You don't need to do that. Why? Burden. Because now you become obsessed with the way you look. Another th it's just another burden. But people don't look at it, well, I just want to look good. Why? God's not impressed. He's not. He's not looking at you going, Mr. Universe down there, look at him. He doesn't care. But we get hung up on this stuff. We get hung up on this stuff. Why? Because it's a distraction. Because it's our flesh, it's our soul straying into areas where they have no business. Where we have to keep it in line. We've got to go to him. And have him show us how to do it. Go to him and find the rest. Go to him and have God teach me how to do this. Show me how to do it, please. Not only show me what to do, but how to do it. It's vitally important so that we can be effective for him. You can write down, I'm not, I don't have time to get there, John 15, verses 1 and verses 5. It talks, God talks about God being the vine dresser and Jesus is the branch and we are the vines that are supposed to be in the branch. But what's important about that in verse 5 is he says, if the vine is not in the branch, it cannot bear fruit. Cannot bear fruit. Which means if I am doing things which God has not told me to do, they are worth nothing. Nothing. Which puts into perspective, why am I burdening myself with these things that net me nothing but anxiety and pain and sorrow and whatever else the thing might be bringing me? Because you know and I know whenever we take things on ourselves and we try to do it ourselves, it's nothing but trouble. It's just trouble. And then you take the trouble on and at the end you're like, I did it. It's worth nothing worth nothing that is the most devastating thing ever if you think about it you put in all that time and all that sweat and stress and everything that comes with me trying to do it myself and at the end 
it's worth nothing because it's not fruit. Mm, even the good things, even the good things, if it's not done in him, it's not worth anything. We've got to remember that. It, it, in Corinthians, Paul talks about in, that, in Corinthians, even if you give up your whole body to be burned, you sacrifice everything, everything you lay it out there, and you do it without love. What is it? Nothing. It's nothing. Which is exactly, you can't do stuff in love like that unless you're hooked in with God. You can't do it. You know and I know when you're in the middle of something you're trying to do yourself and you're sweating and you're stressing and somebody comes up to you, you want to rip their face off because I am busy and you're in my way. You're taking my time. Go away. Well, what is that? Not love, <clears throat> if I've ever seen it. But that's, that's just it. That's just it. We've got to... Make sure we are not taking burdens on ourselves. So we go to him and we ask him, God, what is it that I'm supposed to be? How am I supposed to be doing these things? Not only to get that information, but then to turn around and look and, okay, okay. Well, if that's what I'm supposed to be doing, that's not what I need to be holding on to. And that's not what, that's part of the equation. Part of what we're supposed to be doing is examining those things that we need to cut off, that we need to be done with and get rid of it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your revelation and your Holy Spirit that's here to lead and to guide into this, Father. That we can go over these things and, and look and examine ourselves and your Holy Spirit is here to give us light, to show us the things that we need to correct, show us the changes we need to make, that we can come to you, Father, and experience that rest. And that we can take upon your your easy, your good, your light yoke, Father. That you've, you've given us the choice. And this morning we set ourselves to spend time to figure this out so that we can operate for you more efficiently and better and to a higher degree, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for your hand on us in Jesus' name. And Father, we, we bring to you our giving this morning because, as we, we talked about, it's important to use the system that you've laid out to increase ourselves not for increase sake but so that we can be a more effective tool with more resources for the kingdom and we thank you for it this morning in jesus name amen amen if you need an envelope they should be on the seat backs in front of you if you joined us online thank you for for coming uh well not coming you didn't really go anywhere but we still thank you for joining us because it's important to hear the word of god uh, you can give on the website at newlifefamilyworship.net and use the giving link if you'd like to sow to the church. Uh, you will get a receipt for doing so. And we appreciate you joining us, and we'll be back here at, uh, at 11 o'clock. Thank you.